Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Zibby Owens. She is the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Zibby's media company, Moms Don't Have Time To, includes multiple podcasts, publications, and other communities designed to help moms. Zibby regularly recommends books on TV and is regularly featured on CBS This Morning and Good Morning America. Her new anthology is... Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, a Timeless Anthology. Zibby currently lives in New York City with her husband and four children. Welcome, Zibby. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The title of this book is funny because it's true, as Homer Simpson once said. Right? <laughs> we don't have time. It's something we're like we're struggling with to make time for the things that matter most to us, like besides our kids, which of course matter, but what happened to the rest of our lives. We don't even have time to do this stuff for all the kids. Right. Even that is a challenge. Yes, it's like true. Someone on Instagram posted a funny story of herself saying, I was just thinking when I was running all my errands, gosh, this would be so much easier if I didn't have the kids here doing these errands. And she's like, then again, I wouldn't have any errands if I didn't have the kids. So. There's some paradox name for that, right? We were just talking about that on another episode of like, what's the hardest part? And someone said, I think the hardest part is the kids. And we were like, yeah, I, I guess we can wrap this episode up because the kids are the hardest part. In your intro essay to the anthology, you say, that if we don't make time for like the other important things in life, I'm quoting you here, like sleeping, socializing, combating illness, sounds important, staying fit and writing what's left without our friends, food, acknowledging our innermost thoughts, staying healthy and getting a good night's sleep, we wouldn't even survive. We must make time. I believe that. <laughs> and that's sort of what the anthology is about, I guess. Did you sort of organize the essays that way? Or did you ask people to write on that topic? I asked people to write essays inspired by these five topics that moms don't have time to do. My first anthology addressed a different five topics. There are basically a zillion things that moms don't have time to do. It was hard to whittle them down just to five and then another five, especially because most people I asked said the thing they didn't have time to do the most was drink a cup of coffee while it was still hot. But I didn't think that would result in too many essays. Can't do a whole book on that. Yeah, A whole book on that. Although actually, I just saw a book on that at Diesel Bookstore over the weekend funny enough. Anyway, off topic, I had authors who had been on my podcast write essays that these topics brought to mind for them. So I went after 
people who, for instance, had mentioned that they had trouble sleeping when I interviewed them. And I said, would you like to write in the sleep category? And it didn't have to be about the importance of finding time to do these things. In fact, I didn't want that. I just wanted an essay about how that thing fitted into their lives for good, for bad, everything else. So I had a lot of essays from people who had chronic illness or some one or two women who had COVID or somebody who wrote about the value of napping or insomnia. So things that are a part of their lives that they've dealt with and moved on from, but in truth, just make us all feel more united by reading about them. And what are those things? What are the commonalities that come up for people around this topic of not having time? I find people are really beating up on themselves. Yes, we find that too. That uh, they feel that it's their fault or they're not managing their time well enough that they are somehow doing a worse job than other people are doing with the same amount of time given in a given day. When in truth, structurally, we're all almost set up to fail right now. There's too Mm. much to do. There's too much to do and still be present with the kids for that unstructured, amazing time and get everything done for us as women, particularly working women, but even not, it doesn't matter. So there's just not enough time at our hyper speed. There are a lot of benefits to being able to be super productive and having multiple jobs and being five places at once and now our Zoom life. But what is it taking away? And what it's really taking away is our sanity. Yes. And it's taking away that sense of connection that makes us all take a deep breath and say, wow, we're in this together. This is really hard. And it's taking away, it seems like a lot of the joy too, right? Like the ability to enjoy, you know, we had Katie Delantonio on the podcast and she said, you know, we had these kids on purpose. We wanted these kids. We enjoy these kids, but somehow it seems like there's so much that gets in the way of what we kind of had in mind. Yeah. It's a shame. Actually, KJ wrote an essay in this collection. And I wrote an essay a long time ago, which sort of started this whole movement, if you will, called A Mother's Right to Sanity. And in that essay, I was like, I had four kids because I love kids. Right. I was a camp counselor. I was a babysitter. Like, I love kids. I worked in a hospital. Like, I love being around kids and sitting at my computer doing a form about my kids is not being with my kids, going to drinks with the moms because you actually really have to go and do that is still missing dinner with the kids. So it's all about making choices in this series of trade-offs that sometimes it feels like you're doing in a vacuum and not realizing everybody is in the same vacuum. We're all in the vacuum cleaner together. (laughs) We need to change the vacuum bag. And the vacuum bag of the last 18 months has been the pandemic, right? That the sort of invisible work, the stress of being with your kids, it's become all the time. The kids have been home with us. We've been overseeing their learning. It's become all encompassing. And so like friends, whatever, see you next year, right? Like work out, mm, you know, who is time for that? And all that stuff falls by the wayside, or I'll speak for myself, has fallen by the wayside for me. And now... These start to be sort of ghost rules that are in place in your life because it feels like they always have been. But you do have more time to read than you did when you were homeschooling the three kids. You do have an availability to see your friends that you did six months ago when we were all supposed to stay home and sort of relearning those behaviors which felt first impossible and then, I don't know, indulgently optional, making them a priority. I think we're all bad at that. Yes, I totally agree. And I mean, 
in truth, we have time to do whatever we want. We have time every day. It is the one thing we get. We get to reset and do it again and do it differently. And you don't have to do yesterday the way you did the day before yesterday, right? If you wanted, I mean, obviously you'd have to get your kids to school and feed them and all those like basics of keeping them alive. But you could choose to spend your time however you wanted. We do this in part to ourselves because If we decided to spend all day every day just furthering our kids' social lives, you could spend all day making playdates and birthday parties and whatever. You could do that. And that's a choice. I feel like there didn't used to necessarily be the ability to literally spend all your time on these different pursuits. And now we have to tell ourselves like, yeah, yeah, I could keep going. I could do better if I kept doing this, but good enough is good enough. And now I have to move on. And by the way, our kids are the ones who lose out when we are so single-mindedly focused on being moms and forget to be people. Because what does that show them? Right? My kids the other day said something like, oh, you know, I said a friend was coming over something. And they were like, well, mommy, you don't really have friends. Mm. I was like, what? I have so many friends. What are you talking about? I don't even have time to see all my friends. They're like, well, you never see them. I'm like, this is not good. Just because I make playdates for my kids that's not enough to teach them the importance of friendship, mm. right? My friends are essential to my well-being. How can they not even see that? Right? Reading is essential to my well-being. I think I do a pretty good job showing them, but that's because I've like made it my job. But before it was really tough. These things are important. Do I want my kids to grow up never seeing friends? Do I want my kids not to know that it's important to work out and not to see a role model of it and see the joy and that like actually it's super fun to do a great workout class and how great you feel after? So... I'm actually shortchanging them by all the shortcuts I've put into my life. I think that this idea of, well, I sacrifice everything for my kids and that's a noble pursuit and putting myself on the back burner and being there and being this amazing mom, just like all these other moms I'm seeing online who are amazing and who found the secret door to good momhood. And there's a process of kind of letting go of that story and... How have you seen that reflected in in people writing and talking about this identity of good mom that seems to lead us down this path of actually making some bad choices? Mm -hmm. Well, there's an essay in the book by Camille Pagan, who's a bestselling author, and she writes about when she got COVID and was trying to manage all of it from her basement and bed and her kids and her husband and this, that, the other thing. And then she kind of gave up and it was okay. I think we also all believe that without us, things would not function, but they will function. People, unfortunately, do have periods of time where they can't manage their families for health reasons or whatever. And they're okay. People, they will be okay. So I'm not trying to minimize the importance that we all feel or the, you know, it is important what we do. Our jobs as moms are super important. However, I think because of so much pressure right now, We feel so essential that we've forgotten really how to live. And by doing that, we're creating a culture of kids Mm. who are not seeing the role models of what it means to really take joy in our lives and take time for what's important. And that would be such a shame if they grew up thinking that that was the case. We're talking to Zibby Owens, who is the author of Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, a timeless anthology. And we will be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So Zibby, another thing that I think gets in the way is that moms don't have time to say work out as much as we want to. Let's take that as the example. And then... Part of the reason we don't have time is that we layer on the feeling guilty, like we actually spend that 90 seconds, you know, self-flagellating about it and not doing the thing that we expend energy on guilt and shame and feeling bad about actually not having enough time when I think you're making the point that we actually don't. We actually don't have enough time. And so we need to stop feeling bad about that and start getting specific. Yeah. Well, in terms of guilt, I have a good friend who a couple of years ago I went to coffee with. She was commuting into the city and worked a few days a week. And I was like, what's new? And she's like, well, I've decided to stop feeling guilty. Mm, huh. And I was like, what do you mean? She's <laughs> like, I've just decided I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to do it. She's like, my kids make me feel guilty that I go into the city and work. I love my job. They have a great life. They're great. Their school's great. I made sure they're in a great school. I made sure they have great friends. I set up their afternoons. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm not going to feel guilty about working. I'm not going to feel guilty about any of it. And she's been so much happier. And I was like, that's an option, Mm. right? Like we can choose that or not. So I do think that spending time on guilt is not useful. Mind you, I'm saying all these things. I am just as guilty of doing all these things as anyone else. I am not in some sort of higher power state where I've like (laughs) self-actualized and do these things. I rarely work out. I've had to force myself. I've had to actually like post myself doing it on Instagram. So I have enough accountability to just like turn on the TV and do another workout on my TV. It's like pathetic. But yeah, I think that 
I just think it's really tricky to know how to allocate our time when we're out of school and there's no schedule and even work is so ambiguous because it never truly ends. And the hours of the day in the old fashioned office structure is no more and you can work whenever you want and there's always more you can do. It's hard to know when to stop. So all we can do, and this is sort of how I have come to terms with this myself, is scheduling in some time for us and knowing that it's not actually for us. Like if you want to get around the mind games, right? It's actually for the kids. Mm. It's modeling, right? I am going to model to the kids the importance of working out, not by sitting down at the dinner table and explaining the importance of working out, but by spending literally 15 minutes on my doing a workout video. And that's going to teach them a lot more (laughs) than... I shouldn't even say this, but then we were like out for Halloween and uh, my daughter was saying something about the candy. She's eight. And I said something like, oh my gosh, we have so much. How are we going to, like, what are we going to do? And she said, it's okay. We already did dance body this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Eat that Halloween candy. Yeah. Do your workouts feed you? Because we had Pooja Laxman on the show and she made a point that was really interesting to me about self-care that we can feel guilty about. Like, I need to be making more time for self-care. Like self-care looks different for different people. And that if you know, riding the Peloton makes you feel awesome for the rest of the day, then that's your self-care. And if it doesn't, then stop feeling bad that it doesn't and stop spending time on it, that it's also okay to say, this is a not right now. I am going to stop beating myself up for not reading as much as I used to. It will come back when the twins are in preschool. You see what I'm saying? Is working out something that really does feed you when you make time for it? (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) <laughs> no, I do. I do enjoy it. It's hard. I feel good when I finish it. Yeah, yeah. But look, we can't do all these things every day. No. It's not a daily thing. I think we have to look at it in terms of like a week or a month. Am I going to work out this month? Right? Could I fit in a couple times this month of working out? Could I try that? Would that make me feel better? Is it actually self-care? I got to a point where I was like, I think I just need to do this to make sure I don't drop dead, Mm. right? I started, I was working so hard and I was like having panic attacks and like showing up in the ER being like, am I dying or am I just like really anxious? And I had not gone to doctors in the whole pandemic because I was so worried about it. And I had just, you know, I was in my own sort of undiagnosed PTSD along with the rest of the world phase. Yes. And I got to a point, I finally called this therapist I used to talk to. And she's like, you do realize how messed up it is that you're only calling me now because you think you might drop dead. And I was like, Mm. yes, I realize that. (laughs) But like everybody gets to a point, right? There's too much. So I think that part of this is like, keeping us all in a state where we can continue being the caregivers that we are, right? We have a baseline that we have to, we have to go to the doctor. We have to get, we have to walk or we have to do these things so that we're around to do all the other things we want to do. So if nothing else, you have to get to some sort of baseline. Yeah. And I think that the signposts along the way can be really easy to miss because our lives are really busy. And that's right. That feeling of like, well, I always I think I had three kids in four years and I just had some lost years where I felt like I always feel harried, unhealthy, underslept, oversnacked. You know, I just feel this big, messy feeling all of the time. And I feel like before kids, I would have seen some signposts of like, okay, it's been too long without sleep, or maybe my clothes aren't fitting, I need to get back to, you know, making smarter food choices. But that when you're in it with especially little, little kids, you just never have time to put your head up and see those signposts. 
It's true. That are like cliff ahead. <laughs> no, you're right. wonder if there's some way we could help that. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, how do you keep, you shouldn't have to near the cliff to realize that you need to be slowing down, right? No, you're right. You need to be, I have a friend who just, she has a job that's so demanding that she ended up like in the hospital before she was like, oh, I'm working too hard. I need to take a couple of days off. And of course, she learned the lesson. She took a couple of days off. The world did not stop revolving on its axis and she was able to pick things back up. But how do we bring that lesson sort of <laughs> closer for ourselves? Well, I think the friend part is part of it, too. Like, yeah. I know for friends of mine have said to me, like, hey, you seem really stressed out. Let's get out. You know, like women kind of looking out for each other as fellow moms, too. I have a friend who's in a really difficult work crisis. And we had dinner the other day and she was sort of saying as if it was unavoidable. Well, I'm having this heart issue and I'm having these problems. And I just said to her, this is not normal. I'm seeing you from the outside, like your car is speeding by. You can't tell how fast it's heading for the cliff. Uh. But let me tell you from the sideline that this is not good. I had to have a girlfriend tell me that too. Mm -hmm. When I finally made time for someone's important birthday, you know, and my friends were like, what do you mean you haven't you know, had a checkup for you? They were like, go. I think maybe the answer is really low expectations, mm. right? Maybe it's something like see a friend in... December. I know this is ridiculous, but like if you said to me, could you make one social plan, just a one-on-one -on -one coffee? Could you fit in one 30-minute coffee with a girlfriend, not for work, not a writer, not something that's going to do anything for work, just like for fun? Could you put that in now in December? I would say, you know what? How could I not find 30 minutes in December? Right. right. Of course I could. So maybe we all need to think like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the 30 minutes in December thing. <laughs> I mean, I know that's ridiculous, but I think it gives us all permission to put it on the calendar, uphold it and remember why it's important. And it's also like, take your mind off, maybe like, I need a garden of supportive female friendships. Like, okay, how about you to just plant this one seed today, right? And worry about that. Yeah. And then give yourself a back pat, as Margaret likes to say. And not to feel bad that you're not seeing your other 16 friends from college or high school or whatever. Just start with one friend. Just start with one. Or one coffee and see how it goes. I love that. And maybe that's all you can do. And that's okay. And it's seasons, right? Like we've talked a lot about people. We talk a lot to people who have those really young kids now. And I often find myself saying, you're in a really hard season. Like it may just be one coffee with a friend two months from now. But mm -hmm. as my kids went back to school and my time freed up more, I had more coffee and more friendships. And then as they get busy in activities, whatever, there are just seasons where it gets harder. It's not this constant view of life, which is like you opened a door, you walked through it. There were kids on the other side, the door slammed behind you. And now like <laughs> you've made a horrible mistake. That's why, I mean, for me, sometimes... I think that the planning of everything is so overwhelming. Yes. Because, like, of course, when you go to the call that friend, she also is having all the same issues you are. Right. Does she, you know, right. So when I actually do have a minute to say, oh, I have 15 minutes while I walk from here to there, I'll call a friend. Like nobody picks up. Right. Because right? they're <laughs> busy doing their busy. 86 things. So I think it's like the pre-planning and yeah, just the consciousness and the permission that we should all be doing it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a book club. It could be like something little. And maybe you can't deal with the planning. And so for you, it's reading, 
right? For me, like I remember when I would pump for my daughter, I would prop a book up on the pump and I would like contort myself to hold the things and have the book. And I could just, right? 15 minutes is going to go by no matter what. Yeah. What was I going to do with those 15 minutes? So I also think there's just all that time on the phone and I am so guilty of this. And I do really get a lot out of Instagram. I know there's all this negative stuff about social media, but I really do feel like I have a community there that is supportive and like, you know, I get a lot out of it. But could I spend 10 minutes waiting online with a book out instead of the phone out? Could I throw that in my purse? Might that regenerate my brain a little bit more? Might I have something more interesting to say after doing it than just responding to more emails? Will that make me a more interesting person? Like maybe it'll generate more ideas. Maybe that in turn will make me better Mm. at my work. In an ideal world, these little things, five minutes of reading in November, five minutes. The hardest thing is like when you work out, it's lacing up your shoes. If I can get into the sports bra and lace up my sneakers, I will probably work out. Yes. So it's overcoming those first hurdles. We talk a lot also about the sort of post-pandemic time. And the pandemic has obviously had tremendous downsides. But I found for myself, it was an opportunity to reset some things because I had to step away from my regular life and spend some time in this new reality where there weren't the after school activities. The kids weren't even going to school. There weren't. And I find myself at this time trying so hard to hold on to the things or continue letting go, maybe is the right metaphor of the things that fell away during the pandemic. And I start to see them all creeping back in and the calendars filling back up and we're back to some grindy stuff that I really enjoyed not having in my life. We're like back to gymnastics. and (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gymnastics. Why are we back to gymnastics? But you know what? They really love it. I know. They really love it. And It's the same thing with the working out, right? Like they get stuff out of that. So I know it's sort of a pain, but I'm with you. It's like with the pandemic, I fit so much in Mm. online. And now it's like, well, something has to give. Am I not going to do as much? Yeah. I I don't know. Something has to give. Yeah. I found that really letting, as stuff came in, trying to make really active choices around like, okay, wait a minute. Yes. So do we need gymnastics, Boy Scouts, and ninjas? Or can one of those go? The answer is two of those went. And so what's your favorite act rather than just the wall of noise with three kids in multiple activities? I wasn't going back to that life. For most of my kids, yeah. I'm like, pick a thing. a thing. I have another kid who wants to be busy all the time. So that's her thing. And she can organize it because she's a teenager, right? So she, that doesn't even involve me as much. But for like the little guys whose schedules I can still be in control of, like you each get a thing. What is yes. your thing? That's it. You do that thing. Maybe you do that thing twice a week. But like, that's okay. But not a thing and a thing. <laughs> Just one thing. No. Not a thing and a thing. Pick one. We'll be right back. We're talking to Zibby Owens. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. 
crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch dot com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your lumen. That is l-u-m-e-n dot m-e lumen.me and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you lumen for sponsoring this episode. So Zibby, despite never having any time to sleep, work out, see friends, you know, all that stuff, you are starting a new company. Tell us about Zibby Books. I know. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. (laughs) I just keep adding full-time jobs and I'm like, I don't know. I have to do it. I'll figure it out. I'm really excited about Zibby Books. I have interviewed 900 plus people at this point after this daily interview show for Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books for the last almost four years. And there were so many things that I wanted to see changed and couldn't understand why they weren't changing. And now I understand that structurally, some of the things in the publishing industry, despite everyone's best intentions, structurally, it's too hard to shift and make a wholesale change. Mm -hmm. And I started having this inkling like, wait, could I maybe do this? I'm like, no, I couldn't do that. And then more and more time went on. I'm like, why not me? Like, why can I not do this? I actually have a really interesting point of view and I have a bazillion ideas. And like, why don't I try it? So that's sort of been my philosophy with everything. It's like, let me try it. Let me just see. I'm not afraid. I don't spend too much time planning, perhaps not enough, but I have like enough of a sense of what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. And I'm just testing it out. So this one is a little more fully formed than that because I have a whole team and I'm really excited. I started Zippy Books with Lee Newman, who had already founded her own publishing company called Catapult. So I did uh, have some pros and I have some very smart people I'm working with who I adore, but what I wanted to do is just redo it. What would a publishing company starting out today look like and why? And for me, especially with somehow I've ended up with publishing contracts with three different publishers over the last year. And I have learned a lot from being on the author side. So I talk to authors. Yeah. I talk to publicists all the time. I talk, I'm sort of in all the different areas. So I'm just trying to mix it up. 
Tell us about your first slate of authors. I believe it's all women this first year. It is all women. We've acquired about 10 books so far, and they range in terms of they're all fiction or memoir. Our tagline is telling it like Mm. it is. So we long for really well-written books with a strong sense of voice and a strong sense of place, be it the Corner Deli or the Canals of Venice. We want books that take us places emotionally and sort of physically and as an escape. And I want the reader to trust us. We were just evaluating this one book and it was very, very dark. And I was like, oh gosh, I don't want to escape there. Mm -hmm. I don't feel good having my readers escape there either, right? So not that I'm trying to sugarcoat anything, but we have stories, for example, from a woman named Maria D'Angelo, a black Afro-Cuban immigrant who ended up becoming a Juilliard pianist and a lawyer and a J.P. Morgan. And it's about how she became who she is and sort of the lyricism that goes along with that from her piano background. And that's Mm. going to be beautiful. We have a book called The Anxiety Library. And each chapter is from A to Z, A for Anxiety, Z for Zoloft. (laughs) <laughs> stories and that's written by a- keep a copy of that one for me <laughs> would you? I'm gonna need a copy of that one that's written by a school librarian I was at the Zippy Books launch party in Brooklyn thank you for I coming it was last thank month I was so exciting I gotta say it was really really exciting to be in the room because it was also Zippy Awards here's what I love about what you do Zippy you shine the light on obviously all the authors that you you interview in the show but you just figure out how to you know, lift all boats, right? So the Zibby Awards were for things like best author photo, best acknowledgements, best cover photo. And the people who were nominated flew in from like Seattle and Vancouver and all kinds of places because their book had been nominated for this fun award. And it just was such a fun night. And I was really excited about the books. And one that I thought that stood out to me was the woman who applied for like different jobs during the pandemic. Tell us about that one. Yes. I'm really excited. That's going to be one of our first titles. It's by a woman named Alicia Fernandez Miranda, and it's called The 40-Year-Old Intern, although we may change the name. But it was about how she, with twins and a full-time job and like running a business, just something was missing. And she decided to do a series of internships to really get back in touch with herself and sort of have fun. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic happened in the middle. So some of her internships became like virtual exercise studios. Like, I mean, she's so funny. It's really well written. It's awesome. I love it. I love her. And the book is really enjoyable. I mean, I read it in one sitting and just, you know, you can't help but fall in love with her. Are you interested in women's voices particularly? Primarily, yes. So far, they've all been women. We have one man on our team. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to have a man on the team. Yay, Jordan. He's amazing. He's great. But yeah, a lot of it is is women-centered. And the profit sharing model. Tell us about that, too, because I think that's actually very interesting and something that a woman would come up with, if I may say so myself. <laughs> well, I ha- it's twofold. So one is from the company standpoint. I think when you make a book, everybody is important. You can't say like that person's marketing campaign is what made it successful or it was all about that cover or, you know, this editor, everybody, everybody plays a huge role in making a book what it is. And every piece is really important. So I am, in addition to, you know, salaries and then for the author on the author side, royalties and everything else, for any company profits at the end, 25% go back into our business, but the remaining gets split equally. A, among all the employees in equal measure, so it doesn't matter, and B, the authors. So I don't want there to be like a lead headline title 
these authors in the class of 2023, when we first come out, are a team and they're going through all this training together and they're like a class and I want to have like a little yearbook and, you know, I want to make it funny and lighthearted. I mean, that's also what I try to do with everything in this whole thing is like this lighthearted touch because, I mean, it's not rocket science. These are books. This is amazing and it's fun and I love it and I'm passionate about it. But, you know, let's not take ourselves too seriously. So I have sort of that. And so the authors are all going to split equally. And so if somebody has a, a movie come out, we all benefit from that. Like the whole company should be like just what you're saying, rising all ships. I just want everybody to be in it together and feel like a part of something. And that's why we're also doing book ambassadors. So we have hundreds of women have signed up already and we've barely made an effort to try to do this. But we have a book ambassador network of women who love reading all over the country. And we ask them to sign up and list their favorite local indie who are going to help sort of be the ambassadors and have local events and spread the word. I think we all are really longing for the need to believe to something in something bigger and be a part of something important right now. If somebody wants to be an author ambassador, how does she find out more about that? Yes, go to zibbybooks.com. If you're somebody who's like, oh, I'm seeking connection. I've been a little bit stuck in my house, but you know, it's a little weird to say like, hi, do you want to be friends with me? This is a good way to sort of see who shows up, right? People who want to come to book events are going to be like-minded by design, I would think. And it's a good way to sort of re-enter the world. Yep. And Zibby, I wanted to make sure to remind everybody about the new book. Please pick up Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, an anthology. 53 essays by 49 authors from my podcast. This is a really good gift for the people in your class, the moms you never see. Mm. Send it for the holidays. It's funny. Good. Send it for Mother's Day. Send it for birthdays and read it yourself. My website is zibbyowens.com. You can follow me on Instagram. Please do. I post way, way, way too much at Zibby Owens, C-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S. And my podcast is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And I have a new episode every single day. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Zibby. Thank you for having me. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. 
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.